let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for loving us like you do. And we ask right now that you lead us through your spirit. And we pray this in your son's perfect name. Amen. Well, the past few weeks we've been talking about the different roles of the Holy Spirit. And today we're talking about uh, him as a leader. Which begs the question, are we willing to be led? And my goal for these few minutes I have before you is twofold. First of all, if you're a Christian, I just want you to examine uh, your life. Really take a hard look at your thoughts and your motives and your actions. And to see if you're really being led by the Spirit. Does your life reflect what Jesus would say would be a life led by the Spirit? And at some point this morning, you might think, uh, boy, I hope my husband is listening to this, or I hope my wife is listening to this, or Sally or Billy, whomever it is. But my prayer is that when, when this happens, that we focus back on ourselves. Because I found that when I start pointing fingers at others, uh, it's because I really don't want to examine my life. Secondly, if you're not a Christian, my prayer is that you just listen to and hear the leading of the Holy Spirit and make that decision. Our verse today, the main verse, is Galatians 5.25. Galatians 5.25. If you have your Bibles, you want to look there. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain was a school teacher by trade. But on this day, on July 2nd, 1863, he was a commander of the, of the uh, Union Army. Uh, he was a colonel, and he commanded a troop that started out about six months earlier, and he commanded a troop of about 1,000 from the 20th Maine. On this morning, July 2nd, that uh, group was down to 300. And they were positioned on a far left uh, end of a larger group of soldiers that extended all the way to a little town called Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And he was told, because of his position on the end of the line, that no matter what, he could not let the Confederate army get around him. Because if they did, they would be able to attack from above and it would be a massacre. And obviously he's not the only one that knew that. The uh, Confederate army knew that as well. And they knew that if we attack and we concentrate our attack on him, then we should be able to get around them, attack from behind and win. The first assault came at 2.30 in the afternoon. The 15th and 47th Alabama regiments attacked running uphill, firing on Chamberlain's men who were behind a rock wall that they had thrown together earlier that morning. They were able to uh, suppress the attack and push them back down the hill, down the hill, only to face a second attack and a third and a fourth. And on the fifth attack, uh, the Confederate Army had actually managed to uh, breach that rock wall and so hand-to-hand combat ensued, and they were doing everything they could with knives and fists and just swinging the butts of their rifles to push them back down the slope. And somehow they were able to do that. And it was at this point uh, Chamberlain in, uh, was informed that there would be no help coming, that uh, all the other divisions were in just as bad a shape as his. And his own division that started out that morning with 300 was already down to 80 men. So uh, he, he, he told some of his officers to go check on ammunition, see where they were on, on ammunition. And so as they went to do that, um, 12-year-old uh, 
young man who had climbed a tree as a sentry uh, yelled out to uh, Colonel Chamberlain, they're forming again. And so Chamberlain walks to the, to, the, to the wall and peers over the edge of it, and he sees a line forming just as the sentry had said, but he, he also notices one more thing. There were a lot more of them this time. About that time, he hears the ammunition report. We're out, sir. Almost uh, all of the men have no more than one or two rounds, and many are completely out. One of the uh, sergeants who were with him said, Colonel, maybe we should uh, think about pulling out. Colonel Chamberlain says, no, we're not going to pull out today. And he says, but you know we can't hold them again. There's no way we can hold them another, t- another time. About that time, the sentry yells out, here they come. Colonel Chamberlain steps to the top of the rock wall. And he folds his arms and he just peers down at the forming line below him in the valley, just contemplating what his next move is going to be. And all his soldiers, the 80 men, are behind him, just waiting for that command on what to do. And he turns around after a moment and he says, Fix bayonets. And they don't do anything. They're just dumbfounded. So he says it again. I said, fix bayonets and mount a great right wheel of the entire regiment. One of the uh, young infantrymen there asked uh, the sergeant, says, what's, what's a great right wheel? He said, son, it's an all-out charge. So after a few minutes of them uh, fixing the bayonets on their muskets, Colonel Chamberlain steps to the top of that rock wall again and he draws his sword and he slashes it through the air a couple of times and yells, charge. The remaining 80 men all lift their voices with the courage gained from their leader and scream, charge, as they roll over that wall and race down the hill into a very unknown future. You and I are at war. Every day, we are in a constant war. Winner-take-all battle, and our soul is what's at stake. Our leader in this war is none other than the Holy Spirit Himself, sent by Jesus to lead us. And we have the same decision that the the Chamberlain's men had. Will we follow? Will we listen to and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit into this uncertain future we call life? And what are we willing to sacrifice to follow his lead? Satan is the leader of the army that is opposed to us. And he plots and he connives and he schemes against us to defeat us. And Satan is wily. He's clever. He knows our weaknesses. He knows exactly where to attack us to gain the best advantage. And you know what Satan's weapon of choice is against me? me i am at war with myself instead of following the leading of the holy spirit so many times i follow my own sinful nature my own desires it's a battle to die die to myself and follow the leading of the holy spirit and if you are anything like me far too often self wins and when self wins satan wins 
When I get upset and cross with my wife, self wins. If I get angry at my coworkers, self wins. When I say things about someone behind their back, self wins. If I look at a car or a house and I wish it were mine, when I argue and create dissension, when I ignore the needs of others, when I worry, when I look at someone, anyone, and feel somewhat, somewhat better than they are, self wins. If I place anything above my, own, my relationship with Jesus Christ, self wins. Maybe you struggle with some of these things, same things. But, but maybe your struggle isn't quite as obvious. Maybe it isn't quite as easy to spot. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24 says, Remember, the sins of, the, of some people are obvious, re, uh, leading them to certain judgment, but others, other sins will not be revealed until later. Maybe your struggle is embedded in what you believe. Maybe you feel like that you need to earn grace. Maybe you struggle with the fact that, that God sending His Son to die wasn't enough. And so for me to feel good about my salvation, for me to feel good about my standing with Jesus, then I have to perform these righteous deeds to justify or warrant my standing with God. Or maybe you just simply think you're better than others. And it's not blatant like that. But you look at somebody and say, man, I'm so glad my sin isn't as bad as theirs. These struggles aren't as easy to spot, but they are just as lethal. Justifying yourself by what you do or thinking more highly of yourself is just as evil in God's sight as any other sin. It all puts to, this, puts to shame the grace of God. So whether it's blatant sin or the sin of self-righteousness, we all struggle. And you look at Paul, the writer of Galatians, and writer of much of the New Testament, gives us a little insight of his own struggles. In Romans chapter 7, he confesses this. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I, ate, what I hate, that's what I do. Can you relate to that? He goes on a few verses later and says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. We all face this same battle. And the battle is self. And it is the biggest opponent, opponent, the greatest opponent we will ever face. Everyone struggles with it. You and I and everyone else in the world. Our, Our desire to please ourselves wages war against what the Spirit wants. And just to be clear, why is this important to us? Why am I talking about it today? Because the fact is, living for ourselves produces one result, and that's death. We all know certain decisions that we make in life uh, can lead to spiritual, or to lead to physical death. If I, if I choose to close my eyes and walk down a street, what's going to happen? If I choose to drive blindfolded, what's going to happen? If I choose to drink and drive, what's going to happen? Certain decisions we make in life are going to lead to a spiritual death or to a physical death. But I think the same can be said for a spiritual death. If we choose to be governed by or follow our fleshly impulses, we die spiritually. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says this, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. The battle ends one way, and that's dead on the battlefield. 
But it doesn't have to end the way. It shouldn't end the way. It's not the way God intended for us to, to, to happen. If we follow our leader, the Holy Spirit, we can have victory. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 13 again. It says, starts off, For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If we are led by and follow the Holy Spirit, we live. And that's good, good news. But as I asked earlier, the question is, do we? Do we do it? I think there are two things that we need to do to be led by the Spirit. I think the first thing is to listen to His leading. And the second thing is to be open to being led. Willing to follow. So the first is to listen to His leading. Listen to what He says. And there are several ways that the Holy Spirit communicates to us. Uh, I'm going to deal with just two today. First, He communicates to us through Scripture. The Bible communicated by God through the Holy Spirit to you and I. It's our resource, it's our, it's our guidebook, it's our, it's our map, if you will, to navigate through life. How do you deal with difficult relationships? It's here, Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Finances, Matthew six nineteen. Raising a child, Proverbs 22, 6. Marriage, how to have a good marriage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Work, Colossians 3.23, anything that you need to know about living a life, a fulfilling life, is in Scripture. It's the basis of all truth. And the Spirit speak to, speaks to us through His written Word. Kevin mentioned a few weeks ago in his sermon that he was fighting discouragement one day. And, and that morning when he's reading his Scripture, uh, the, the Word spoke directly to him, encouraging him and lifting him up. That happens all the time to me. When I read, what I read is exactly what I needed to hear at that point in time. God speaks through His Word. And He will do the same for you. The problem is sometimes that we can read His Word and not hear the Holy Spirit speaking through it. People read His Scripture every day. And sometimes it just, it's like it goes in one ear and out the other. The Pharisees were a great example of this. I mean, they knew the, the, the Scripture. They knew it backwards and forwards. They were teachers of it, for, for goodness sake. And yet they could not hear the leading of the Holy Spirit through the Word. I had a basketball coach back in high school, uh, Coach Stanfield. He was just elected here last year to the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And he's a great coach. Uh, but uh, he would tell us to do something, how to run a play or do something specific. And, and when we would mess up, when I would mess up, uh, I, I, would, I would hear a whiz of a basketball screaming by my head to get my attention. And then he would yell at me and say, you listened, but you didn't hear. You listened, but you didn't hear. And I think many of us do the same thing. We read the words, but it doesn't seek in. It goes in one ear and out the other. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Action is required. So we see God communicating to us and through His written Word. And the second way He communicates to us is directly through the Holy Spirit. It might not be an audible voice like I'm speaking to you today, but it is very discernible and recognizable if you are listening to Him and with an intent to hear. 
It's a still, small voice, but it can communicate very loudly if we have those open ears. Um, most of you know my, uh, my wife is a school teacher. And, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm going to use that one a little bit later. I'm going to use this one right now. Uh, Edith Lafarge. Everybody knows Edith back here. Uh, we were in our small group here a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this very thing, and, and Edith shared a story with me. Uh, she was at Walmart riding around in one of those uh, scooters and, uh, because she was ill, not, not, not doing real well. And she looked down a, uh, an aisle and, and saw a, a, a lady there that looked like she need, might need some help. The Holy Spirit was speaking to her, Edith, you need to go help this lady. So she steers her little motorized cart over there and asks the lady if she needs some help. And sure enough, the lady says, yeah, I can't reach this item on the top shelf. Okay, let's, let's picture this now. Edith, in bad health, the reason why she's riding the little motorized scooter, 92 years old, Edith Lafarge climbs up on top of the motorized scooter <laughs> to get the item off the top shelf. Now, I'm not condoning such a, a complete disregard for your safety, but the bottom line is she listened to the Holy Spirit. Um, and He will speak to us if we're open to hear it. It's important to remember that the Spirit will never prompt us to do anything that, that goes against Scripture also. Some people ju- justify what they do, their actions, and they say, well, my conscience uh, felt good about it or felt right about it. It's important that we, uh, we check the truth of God's Word with what we, what we believe or what we hear. Uh, for example, the Holy Spirit would never tell you to have sexual relations outside of marriage. Because 1 Corinthians tells us different. Won't tell us to date somebody that's not a Christian. 2 Corinthians tells us differently. We can know if it's our desires uh, or the truth of God or or the Holy Spirit by checking with the truth of God's Word. So, what kind of listener are you? And that's what it comes down to. What kind of listener are you? Uh, I was reading a Christian journal here uh, a few uh, months ago. And he outlined three different ways that, that people listen. Uh, they're, they're the passive listener, the, the uh, selective listener, and the aggressive listener. Passive, selective, and aggressive. Now, the passive listener is someone who comes to church, and uh, they're here in body, but their mind is, is gone. They have learned to tune out uh, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. They learn to tune out the message of God. Um, and this is the, the example I was going to use for my wife. She, uh, she is a teacher of kindergartners. And many of her students come to uh, those first few days of kindergarten as passive listeners. Uh, they have uh, listened to their mom and dad uh, yell at them to pick up their toys and clean up their room and, uh, with, with no consequences. And so they've become passive listeners. They have tuned out their parents. Now... It doesn't take my wife long to get their attention, uh, but the Holy Spirit doesn't use the same tactics as Kelly does. Uh, they are His voice is small and still, and you must be intent on listening, or you just won't. And you know people like that. People who have heard the gospel message over and over and over again, but they're not getting it. Unfortunately, the consequences for not listening to that message 
has eternal ramifications. The second type of listening is the selective listener. I know many wives accuse their husbands of this, but it's that selective type where you just hear what you want to hear. Or, or possibly you hear until something shuts you down. You might agree with what's being said, but as soon as you feel threatened or accused, you're done. You're quit, you quit listening. Uh, probably formulating what you want to say in response or why you don't agree with what they said instead of truly listening to what is being said, trying to understand what is being communicated. I'm sure you've had those conversations uh, that at the end of the conversation, you, you say, weren't you listening to me at all? I mean, they got something out of that completely what was being uh, different, what was being communicated, because they shut down at some point. I, I was at the uh, ball field here a couple of, a couple of days ago. Uh, Kevin and I and Paul uh, helped um, parking at the uh, LaRoche complex up there. We had the enviable task uh, after about 10 minutes of telling people the parking lot was full. Uh, and so uh, it, was, it was probably about an hour into this, and uh, a gentleman drove up in his big truck, and and he uh, and I said same thing I said to everybody. I said, uh, "Sorry, the, the main parking lot is full, but there's a grassy area over here that people have been parking uh, in. You, you're welcome to park over there." And he just got mad. He just said, uh, "I can't believe they would spill, spend you know millions of dollars on this blankety blank." Uh, baseball complex and not build enough blankety blank parking how ridiculous is that and he, he continues to fill my ears a, a little bit you know I'm just standing there like yeah I'm just parking I don't know I just I didn't do any of this uh, and uh, he said I'm I'm blankety blank going home this is blankety blank ridiculous so he cussed a lot so so uh, so he drives around comes back down the hill where I'm out, and he stops, and he said, hey, can I park in this grassy area over here? <laughs> hey, that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. For you, I'll let you do it. Uh, the bottom line is, is that as soon as he heard parking lot full, he shut down. He quit listening. And I think we, we in the church sometimes can be that way too. We, uh, we, we talk, sometimes we talk about baptism up here, or we talk about giving and you're like, ooh, mm. and you shut down, and you quit listening to what is trying to be communicated to you. We can be selective listeners at times. And then there's a third type of listener, and that is the aggressive listener. This person seeks diligently to hear what is being communicated. They truly want to hear what is being said, no matter how difficult it is for them to hear. The aggressive listener truly wants to know what is being said because they want the opportunity to do the right thing. Unfortunately, these people are few. Because we're human, we don't like to hear things that confront our beliefs. If we believed one way our entire life, it can be very difficult to hear otherwise. We don't like to hear things that make us uncomfortable. It's natural. I've, I'm there. We don't like to hear things that require change. It's natural, but it hurts us spiritually. Listening is hard, and it can be very uncomfortable when the message is difficult to hear. We can't expect to please God, however, without knowing what He wants, and we can't know what He wants without listening for and hearing what He says. And here's the real rub. 
We can't just listen and hear his message. We've got to follow. Action is required. And the following is even harder than the listening. This is the real tension with us, right? Many times we know exactly what we need to do. We're just not willing to do it. Let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, we know we should exercise and eat right. And many times we, should, we know exactly what, the God is, what God is asking for us to do. Knowing the truth must lead to action, but it's tough. It takes discipline. Following is hard, even when we know it's the right thing to do. I work a lot with a 55-plus group. Actually, most of them are 75-plus. Uh, but uh, uh, some of them have been told, if you don't lose weight, you will die. If you don't go on a low-sodium diet, you will die. If you don't start exercising, you will die. We know it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't make it any easier to do it. But do what we must. And here's the great part. I am so thankful that we don't have to do it on our own power. That The Holy Spirit empowers us and strengthens us to accomplish these things that we cannot do on our own. But the bottom line is we've got to be open to being led to follow. March Madness just in, and it's a, just a great time for a college basketball fan. Uh, who, who watched any college basketball games? A lot of you. It's a great time. Now, I'm not a Kentucky fan. Uh, I'm certainly not a Coach Calipari fan. Uh, but I want to talk briefly about, about that team. Uh, they had nine McDonald All-Americans on the Kentucky basketball team. Nine. A McDonald All-American is simply the, the best of the best coming out of high school. I mean, there's not that many people get that, that designation. And these, these guys grew up being the best. I mean, they were the leaders on their basketball team, their high school basketball team. They were the guys. Uh, everybody looked to them to make the play. So how does a, team, how, how does a bunch of individuals like that join a, a, a team and become just that, a team? Now, I have no idea uh, what what Coach Calipari says to them. But this is kind of how I imagine that, that conversation to go. He sits down and he says, Son, you are an outstanding basketball player. You, you are one of the best I've ever seen. Everybody in the nation is going to want you on their basketball team. And you know what? We do too. Kentucky wants you on, your, on our team. But if you join our team, this is what's going to have to, ha- have to happen. You're going to have to kind of forget everything that you've ever known about basketball. You're no longer going to be the guy. You probably won't start, and if you do, you sure aren't going to get much playing time. You're not going to be able to take near as many shots. You're going to, have, you're going to be asked to distribute the ball. You're going to ask to play defense more than offense. You're going to have to change everything that you've ever known about the game of basketball. But, but if you do that, if you, uh, if you die to your selfish nature, die to your uh, desire to, to be the guy and commit to being led by me, we can do some amazing things together. Now, Kentucky didn't win the national championship. They lost in the final four, but they did win 38 straight games. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not a Coach Calipari fan, but I have to give him props Because what he accomplished with these individuals and turning them into a team was fun to watch. Because they bought into being led 
We are called to do the same thing with an even bigger reward than winning basketball games. We are called to follow the creator of the world, the one who created you and I. We are called to follow the one who died so that we could live. And not just live, but have that true, fulfilling life to the fullest measure of living. We did a series a few years ago called Not a Fan. And this, this series was, was designed to encourage uh, us not to be just fans of Jesus, but to be true followers, to be imitators, disciples. The Holy Spirit is our leader in that endeavor. And through the written word, as well as Him communicating directly to us, He leads us, guides us, teaches us to be more like Jesus. That's our goal. Because that's where life is. We are not called to lead our own life. We are called to follow His. Because we, we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, what happens when we lead. But being led by the Spirit gives abundant life. So just for a second, I would just take a hard look at the fruit you produce. Ask yourselves these questions. Do I have turmoil or strife or worry in my life? Or do I have peace and joy regardless of my circumstances or my health? Am I more interested in being right or righteous? Self-serving or self-sacrificing? When I wake up in the morning, is the first thing I think of, this is what I have to do today? Or do I think about what can God do through me today? Do I wait to be asked to serve? Or am I constantly looking for service opportunities and listening for the Holy Spirit in that direction? What am I listening to? Who am I following? Who is winning the battle of my mind? Is it self or spirit? In the late evening of, of July 2nd, 1863, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain stood on that rock wall and told his men what they were about to do. And they had a choice. Do we listen to our leader or not? Do we retreat or fight? Their decision, they chose to follow. They chose to be led. So when the Confederate leaders saw Colonel Chamberlain stand on that wall in plain view with his arms crossed, debating on what his next move would be, they stopped running up the hill, unsure of what was happening. Surely they thought that this man with such a small, beaten-up band of soldiers would not be so bold as to stand out there in plain view. And when he yelled, charge, a few minutes later, and everyone charged down the hill. You know what the Union soldiers did, or the Confederate soldiers did? They ran. Many of them dropped their loaded weapons as they fled. And within a few minutes, Colonel Chamberlain had his sword to the neck of a Confederate officer. And that Confederate officer turns over a fully loaded Colt revolver to Colonel Chamberlain, who had no ammunition in his rifle. Within a matter of minutes, 80 beat-up Union, uh, Union soldiers with little or no ammunition had captured over 400 Confederate soldiers with ammo to spare. History looks back on this event and credits uh, Colonel Chamberlain as a man for not only playing an, an important role in winning the war, but completely changing the course of human history as we know it. Great things can and will happen when you listen to and follow the right leader amazing, life-altering, history-changing things 
God wants that life for you and I. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. When we have a difficult marriage, but we choose to follow the Holy Spirit and fight for it, and we love our spouses even when they don't return the love, we win. When we follow the Spirit's leading in our jobs, even when our boss and co-workers are difficult to deal with, we win. When we humble ourselves and love that neighbor that seems impossible to love, we win. When we serve the stranger at Walmart by letting him in front of us, when we talk to our friends and family about salvation, even when it's uncomfortable, when we visit the sick and we take care of the widowed, when we stop talking about others behind their back, and when we appreciate what we have instead of longing for what we don't have, when we focus on the Spirit and His leading, we win. And you can count on this, wherever He leads you to go, whatever He leads you to do, it will always be less than what He's already done for you. The cross shows us what He has done. We celebrated last week Jesus dying for you and I so that we may live. And not just live, but have life to the full. And our call through the leading of the Holy Spirit is simply to follow. It's not easy, but it is so worth it. Chamberlain's men chose to submit and follow their leader into the unknown. And they changed the course of human history. You and I have that same opportunity if we're willing to follow. Let's pray together. Father, we can't do this on our own. Uh, It is difficult, and we know Satan has uh, our weaknesses. He knows where to attack. Uh, But Father, uh, with your help and your guidance and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can have victory. We can have life and have it to the full. But we need your strength and your power. Help us to uh, follow your lead, uh, to be the men and women you've called us to be. And through it all, Father, our goal is to become more like you. We love you so much, and we're so thankful for Jesus that makes this possible. And we pray this in his perfect and loving name. Amen.